0: welcome to the modern manifestation podcast I'm your host Bree Brown a business mindset coach entrepreneur and a top competitor in a male-dominated industry I'm a native Texan the youngest of all brothers and a lettuce hating wine-loving curses like a sailor recovering perfectionist I've spent over a decade building my commission-based career and my life's purpose is helping other women achieve the same multi-six-figure success I achieved before I was 25. I have a passion for helping women with mindset, money, and manifestation skills to help every young woman realize her full potential. If you're looking for vulnerable conversations, professional development, inspiration, or even a kick in the ass to get you motivated, you have come to the right place. Thanks for checking out the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Now let's jump right in to today's topic. Hello, hello! Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on when you are tuning in. Today, I am continuing the conversation with another co-author of Finding Our Wings. Y'all, Finding Our Wings is an incredible book that includes so much wisdom and lessons learned from women for women. I am so excited to host these co-authors because each story told and lessons learned are dramatically different from chapter to chapter. Each woman had a unique set of experiences, but there is a common thread shared between the challenges faced and the resilience developed as a result. There is so, so much good stuff in here. And I am thrilled to introduce today's interviewee, Amber Tarsha. Amber was a woman dominating the business world as an entrepreneur with a thriving business. After her 10-year anniversary and continued growth, she made a very difficult decision to step away from her business in order to focus on her health. As she traveled, the spiritual skeptic gained new perspectives, visited shamanic tribes, eventually graduating from 4 Winds society, and began a completely new career as a shamanic practitioner. Nowadays, Amber considers herself a shamanic practitioner, performer, author, and wild soul. And today, we dive deep into her journey and lessons learned. Amber, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. I am so excited to talk to a shamanic practitioner. How are you? Hello, I'm great. It's a beautiful day. It is, it is. Well, I'm so excited to have you. We just got finished interviewing Laura yesterday about this book, Finding Our Wings, and I'm so excited to dive into your journey and your portion and contribution to this book as well. So having spoken to Laura a little bit, we have a pretty good idea about what this is about. So I want to jump right into the first question, if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. The first question is, as a book written by seven women, each tackling their own journey within a chapter, how did you come to be a part of this co-authorship?
1: So I have always felt called to write a book, and I have this image of me in a cabin somewhere just writing a book, a full book. <laughs> and so I was talking a lot about this to my friends, you know, and thinking about it. And as you know, the universe usually responds in some way, a friend forwarded me out of nowhere, a invitation to a course about how to write a book. And in it, we were going to have the opportunity to write our own chapter and learn the process. So then when we were ready to write our own book, we would kind of have an insight. So I signed up for that and met some amazing women and was starting to write the chapter and going through everything and unfortunately the the whole publishing didn't end up going through. There was 7 of us that were still determined to get our chapters out in the world and so this has been kind of a 2 year process for us and we we've just been holding each other's hands and supporting each other and trying to figure out a way to still publish our own book and that's that's where we
0: are and we're finally at the end of that journey. Well, congratulations. I'm so excited for the release of the book on the 17th. When it comes to your story in particular, who did you decide to write your story for? And what do you want them to understand after reading?
1: I wrote my story for women that are similar to me, right? They always say, teach what you're, what you're experiencing and what you're learning. Mm-hmm. And so I really was writing to those independent, successful women that either have their own businesses or in the corporate world who are experiencing success in somewhat of the egotistical ways of either labels or promotions or building empires, but yet they are really unhappy and empty and feeling like a huge part is missing or there's a bigger purpose to their life and they're just not fulfilling it or For me, I found myself surrounded by all this success and everybody thinking I was one way when really I was going home alone and suffering and no one really Mm -hmm. knew the real me, the real, the real story behind the performer or the business owner and this role or this identity that I had created over the years.
0: Mm -hmm. Your story is one of unhealthy relationships, body and mind with a powerful outlook on what it means to be successful what was the turning point for you that made you stop and give up your business?
1: For me, I was just spiraling out of control. (laughs) I was, Uh I had, um, so I have a pole dance. I had a pole dance studio on the East side. And I think a lot of people that are in small businesses, when your business keeps growing year after year, you start getting this pressure to expand. And Mm so I, I did that. I expanded to a second location. It was like a massive space. We were going to do aerial rigs. And, you know, I got a, a first for the biggest loan I've ever gotten for the building it out and, you know, went through all the ins and outs of all that. And I, at the end, had this beautiful second location, but I was drinking a lot because, you know, after work, you're stressed out. I was going for some margaritas and I was having empty relationships with men and mm-hmm. I would go home alone and so I when I wasn't working when I wasn't in my workaholic mode I I was sad and I didn't know what to do with that at the time and so I kept just focusing out and doing things for other people and building this for everybody else and performing and and doing all this stuff and it wasn't until I went to Europe for a friend's wedding. It was literally I think we had just opened the second location. We had been open maybe for a month or two and it was delayed so I wasn't supposed to be in Europe when when we were opening. <laughs> but you know how things are, things happen. So my manager at the time was amazing and she held the fort down. And I went to Europe for four weeks and I was going to go to a wedding and my other friend, my best friend was going to meet me there and we were going to go to Spain and just kind of travel a little bit because I hadn't been on a vacation forever. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I didn't have to answer emails. I didn't have to answer phone calls. I was kind of unavailable to work. And so I, I was able to detach from all my responsibilities. I didn't have my animals to take care of. They were being taken care of at home and I was kind of a free little bird and the vacation started out with me just drinking a lot because mm-hmm. I had no idea how how much of a, I was like a pressure cooker. I just wanted, I just needed some <laughs> release. And so I went through the first mm-hmm. week of releasing and then I found myself in Europe for the second week alone, spending a lot of time with me, myself and I. I didn't have a car. And so I was taking a lot of walks. I didn't have any work to do. And it was the first time in a long time that I just had to sit with myself. And mm-hmm. that started bringing up a lot of things of just observing myself and what I was naturally wanting to do just with all that time, whether it goes shopping or if I wanted to like start reading books, I was having all these conversations with, 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 friends over there. And the conversations were so different. They didn't care that I had won competitions back home. They didn't really care that I was a performer. They didn't care that I had succeeded in, in all my business. Those weren't what the conversations were about. The conversations were about what are you interested in or questions about politics and relationships. And I kind of realized i I didn't know How to have normal conversations if it wasn't around the identity and the roles that I played back home? They were Mm -hmm. really asking me questions about me, like, "What is Amber like? What does Amber do in her free time?" And it was kind of embarrassing to realize, "Wow, I'm really disconnected from from myself. (laughs) I'm really disconnected from like relationships. Like, too, the relationships there I was seeing were very different, you know and how people treated each other and the conversation. So I think it was a really big wake up call. And by the third and fourth week, my friend and I were just having fun. But with all that freedom, I started another, another personality started coming out. You know, I was starting to become really curious. I was picking up magazine articles about things that I never would have picked up and been interested in back home. Cause I would have been too busy and focused on business, mm-hmm. business, business. And it was like I found a new part of myself that had been hiding or that wasn't able to have a voice back home. Mhm. And I even remember having a conversation with my friend before I got back and I was like, "Yeah, maybe I can do do this when I get home." And she's like, "Amber, that's not you. That's not that's not mm-hmm. you. You're not going to do that. You know you you're going to go back and do this." And it really upset me because I was like, Mm-hmm, wow, mm-hmm. people really can put you in a box, you know, or people just know me a certain way, and I don't even have the freedom of expressing or exploring other things surrounded mm-hmm. by certain people. you know, And so I got this charge of a new sense of me, and I was excited, and I was like, okay, when I go home, everything's gonna be better, right? <laughs> and I'm gonna change mm-hmm. things and and express this newfound amber. And when I got back, It took like a couple days before, you know, I was slapped in the face with having to be the business owner, having to make all the decisions, having to feel the the liabilities that I had taken on for Mm -hmm. something that I wasn't even enjoying and excited about. And in the book, I mentioned the real turning point was when I was in the studio and my friends came to train and i got so i ha- i was just overwhelmed with it with this anger and this like resentment of like why do they get to enjoy my space while i'm here like suffering i was like in this victim mode of like mm-hmm. i'm putting on all the liability i'm doing all this work i've given up so much of my own talents as a dancer and an aerialist and for what mm-hmm. and then that's when i had this scary thought of like I don't want this. I know I've worked so hard to get here, but I do not. I I don't want this. Like, I want, I can't, I can't do this. And that was scary. And that's that, that was the turning point where I was like, okay, I need to just step away from the second location, keep my first location, of course, because that supports me. And, and it was pretty much able to run itself without me. And I was like, I need, I need to focus on me. Like clearly things are wrong. I'm unhappy. I'm drinking too much. My relationships are shit. I I just felt this massive contrast in Europe of like, wow, these people seem really normal and healthy. And (laughs) here I am in contrast, Mm -hmm. you know, and something is wrong and it's, it's me, it's me. And I need to look
0: at me. So that's, that's what I started doing. I love that. And you touched on so many amazing things while you're talking One being how friends have a unintentional way of putting us in that box and saying, this is who you've always been to me. I understand you. It's clear to me who you are. And when you start to exit that box and go into something new, it's scary for them because it's change. And all of a sudden here you are growing and becoming something new and they have to decide whether or not that is someone that they can still have a relationship with. Additionally, I mean, you had to decide whether or not you wanted them in your life, right? Because you were already on this other life path, this other trajectory, and you don't know if you'll share any same interests or experiences, and it could be really hard to connect with them as well, which can be very exhausting. So I just want to commend you for the fact that you recognized this and began addressing and identifying those relationships in your life that are serving you and those that are not, because it can be a very difficult place to be in, especially when you've had relationships that go back years, decades, or what have you.
1: So true. So true. And it was interesting, too, when I stepped away from kind of closing the business down, I also stepped away from performing and it was fascinating how much of my life I had around work without going to trainings with or rehearsals without teaching anymore. I realized that was my whole life and that was all my relationships. I didn't see my friends anymore because we weren't training anymore together. I didn't see my friends anymore because I wasn't rehearsing. I was not at the studio as much, so I wasn't involved. And so I went through this year of just feeling so alone. It was like, I lost my whole life.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And, It also brought a lot of light to who were my real friends who were still there that I could relate to without being involved in the same activities. So, yeah, that was a that was a huge learning lesson and um, insight to my friendships and my relationships.
0: Well, I commend you for embracing the identity that you knew you wanted versus the corporate business badass identity that you had and understanding that, well, that is well and good and that is great to aspire to. At some point, is that enough for me? And being able to walk away from that, having had so much success, I think speaks volumes to so many things about you, your character, your strength, your courage, because it must be extremely vulnerable to have this business. that's essentially your baby that you've cultivated from the very beginning. And then all of a sudden having to just release it, walk away and say, you know what, my health is more important to me my future growth is more important to me. And I'm going to acknowledge that and reflect on this over the next year or however long in order to make sure that I'm in a much better place. And I think it takes a lot of courage and a lot of gumption in order to do something like that.
1: Yeah. I was, my pride was not, (laughs) I had a lot of pride too. So to like (laughs) literally like build everybody up and have this thing of like, you know, cause your ego gets so fed too. Mm. Like I was, oh man, you know, just owning two locations, you know, that was like a huge ego thing for me. And Mm -hmm. like, Comparing myself to everybody else, so I mean, I did struggle with that. My ego was like, "Are you crazy, girl? You <laughs> not, you know?" And like handing it over to my competition, I was just like, "Oh man, like they're getting everything <laughs> that I just worked for, and they're just getting it for you know." So mm-hmm. I definitely, I, it wasn't easy. <laughs> and I definitely yeah. had some shadow work through that of seeing the darker side of my competition and just. The ego, the ego, man, the ego <laughs> can get in there and be be a little bitchy. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. But when oh. it is a curse, it is ruthless. <laughs> yeah, but the the relief once I made that decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, the relief and the weight off my shoulders, as scary as it was, as and I knew that that's how I knew it was the right decision, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're in the flow, when you're on your path, and when you're not in that resistance. That is when you feel lighter. That is when the energy shifts. And I know now that I had to go through all that contrast, right? You Mm -hmm. go through contrast to know what you don't want and what you do want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I switched gears and when I made that decision, man, it like released the floodgates.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of question I will get from my followers is related to ego versus intuition. And it sounds like you were getting these messages Mm -hmm. or this idea of I need to let this business go. And the question that comes up for me is, how did you know whether or not that was intuition or if that was your ego saying this is too much for me? What for you is the telltale difference in order to differentiate those two things?
1: I think for me, ego is for me mental and in my head. hmm Intuitions in your heart and in your body and in your emotions. And it, it can be tricky, right? Because mm-hmm. your logical mind can be like, that doesn't sound like a smart idea, Amber. Like, what are you doing? You're making all this money. Why would you just walk away from that? And my brain is right in some ways. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't Why that doesn't make sense? But the heart knows so much more. And I think the heart is connected to those emotions. But a lot of times if we don't let ourselves feel those emotions or we wipe them out with alcohol or caffeine and working. And when we shut that down, then the ego is just, you know, it's feeding off of that. And it's harder for you to hear the underlying current of your heart and that intuition and that gut feeling. And Mm -hmm. for me, intuition comes from knowing are you acting in fear or are you acting in love or are you acting because this feels good or are you acting because you think it feels good or it might feel a little good but but there's a there's there's a contraction or there's something about it that just doesn't feel right I think that's a hard, that's a hard thing for us to learn how to decipher. And I think that is part of a a lifelong practice. And, and for me, that's what I, that's, that's my main world now is like, does this bring me joy or does this not, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what can I do right now in the next hour that just feels easy and is from spirit or from my heart. Mm -hmm. And the more you observe that the, the quicker for me, at least, I'm starting to realize like, oh, when I feel this in this part of my body, that's a good sign. And -hmm. when I feel this in my body or when I start having these symptoms, something's not in alignment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, basically, if you're following your heart, your life should feel light and you can still be going through stuff. But there's a calmness to it. There's a trusting. There's a connectedness you feel. When you feel resistance, you should be able to switch it around. But if you're just constantly like, honestly, these last two days I've been having, I'm like, I'm not in alignment because I have just been having things break. I've been frustrated. I can't have, nothing's working right. And I know that that's a massive sign. Mm-hmm. I need to sit down and meditate, which I have not done still.
0: because <laughs> I <I'm resisting laughs> it. But, you know, I
1: know I'm like, okay, I know what this means. And I need mm-hmm. to sit down and meditate and get back into alignment so I can flow, you know, but it's probably because I don't want to look at something or feel something, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm aware, I'm aware of it. And um, I just don't let it get to the point that it was in the past. And I think that's part of the lesson. And that's what I want to convey to, to others is, when you start seeing these signs, stop. Like stop and listen to yourself and really listen to your heart and what you want. As scary as it is, as much as it doesn't make sense, what do you what is really trying to come out and speak?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And listen to it. Such valid points, especially since being in the corporate business world, a lot of what we are taught is to listen to the ego, to listen to that masculine energy side of us. And that's why I think so many women reach a point of burnout and or they feel very stuck because their intuition is telling them one thing. And yet we've been essentially conditioned to suppress that intuition and listen to the ego, the reality. And the ego
1: usually gets rewarded. Yeah, the ego Mm -hmm. also gets rewarded a lot more in the society. And I think that was also Mm -hmm. hard. It's like my external world was validating me staying where I was. Mm -hmm. And going against your world (laughs) is a big task and the people you know. And and so you're kind of having to take a stand for yourself in a world that doesn't want you to.
0: Mm -hmm. I imagine a story like yours can be very vulnerable to tell. What was the hardest part of your chapter to write?
1: Well, I think for me, owning a pole dance studio and being a performer, I'm used to being very vulnerable on stage with movement mm-hmm. and expression. I think for me, the most vulnerable thing that came up when I was writing it, it's funny when you write, and I think this is why the journaling is so important, is sometimes you surprise yourself with what comes out. Cause I was really having to focus in on like, I had this month long trip in Europe and I was trying to think of like, but what really, what really was going on? (laughs) Cause even Mm -hmm. I think we create these ideas for ourselves of vacations or we choose what we want to remember. But I really was like, wait a second, like, let's really go back and think what was going on from now that I can kind of set back and, and, and know more. And the biggest thing that came out that I was like, Ooh, that's a lot to write on paper was my relationships with men. I had become so good at manipulating and performing Mm -hmm. to please. And I had to come to realize that I wanted love more and affection and attention more from, from men at the expense of myself at the expense of my health Mm -hmm. and of me being me. And At the time, it was so normal for me to do that because I didn't really have a good base on who I really was or what my heart was really wanting. I didn't have a voice. You know, I I couldn't say no to certain things. And I was in that people pleasing. I need love. I need attention phase. And looking back, I really saw like, God, how much I was suffering that and just how sad it was that I just completely gave so much away to people who did not value me, did not respect me and, and how I let that happen. For me, that was the hardest vulnerability to write about just because I also had to acknowledge it, (laughs) I think at a Mm -hmm. whole nother level (laughs) and, and also the fears of putting things out like that. It's so scary. I don't know what, what it is because I know there's so many other people that can relate, but mm-hmm. um, it's showing a weakness, right? And again, that's something we're taught not to do or being weak is a bad thing, but it's not really mm-hmm. being weak. It's just it's being honest and really seeing how we can devalue ourselves and give ourselves away our time, our energy, our power, our bodies mm-hmm. so much just because we aren't at the time able to give ourselves that love and that respect and that attention. And it really just goes back to starting with healing yourself and, and allowing yourself to be 100% good enough and full enough for yourself before you're really able to give to others. So that, that was probably the hardest thing for me to write in yeah. the chapter even though it really is such a minuscule part. (laughs) It's like, oh, I'm just going to slide that few sentences in about that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, to your point, that is an extremely vulnerable thing to talk about. And I know a lot of women can often stay stuck in, in toxic relationships or in a cycle of toxic relationships because of that shame around how did I let this happen? Okay, well, then in the next one, I need to fix it so that that's no longer what I do in that relationship. And you're trying to fix your own identity in order to handle that shame. And so you re-enter the same cycle of toxic relationships, and it just, it doesn't work. And I think it's great that you realize that I'm worth more than this. And my self love is coming in here and telling me that this is the case, and I just need to step away.
1: Yeah. You saying that I'm like, I was a toxic relationship. I was in a toxic relationship with (laughs) myself. So until mm -hmm. I fix my own toxic relationship, then really, yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course I'm not gonna attract
0: anything more. So yeah. You asked the universe for a sign and you were led down the path of energy healing and also plant medicine without giving too much of your story away, can you talk about your journey towards discovering the shamans of the Peruvian Andes?
1: Yeah so kind of after I made that decision to shift and you know work on myself, I it's funny I don't know if this is an Austin thing but when I came to Austin I was really young and I was gonna be you know the powerhouse business boss babe and I was so not about the hippie woo woo stuff that Austin's kind of also known for. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I'm never going to be that. And, um, man, you (laughs) always resist, right? Which you probably are going to end up doing. (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) Um, That's another, yeah, that's another lesson. Like anything I'm resisting that hard, I need to pay attention to because it's definitely probably part of my path. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, at that point, I was just so desperate. I was like, oh my God, my life's a mess. I just walked away. I was in this, like, what the fuck am I doing? How do I even start to heal myself? Like, what, where, what? And so I just started talking out loud to the universe, to God, to spirit, angels, and just saying, I don't know, I don't know how to heal myself, but I, that's what I want to do. So, how can I do that? And If you throw anything out to the universe, even if you, for me, it was like, I want to know what I want to do. Like help me find out what I want. The universe will respond. And so I started looking for signs and kind of, I was open. So Mm -hmm. I was, I found out about the red tent circles, which are basically women's circles. And there's a book called the red tent, um, which is amazing. And basically I showed up at this space and it was a bunch of women and they had draped all this red fabric. So they literally made a red tent. I was like, okay, we're going very literal for this. (laughs) And, um, you know, everybody's really nice. And they were like, yeah, you can help out and blah, blah, blah. And we all sat in a circle and everybody got to talk and just say what was on their mind. And that was the first time I, had a sat with that many women and not had, uh, I never had, it's funny too, cause I own a pole studio and I never really had good relationships with women or I, I rejected the own feminine kind of, mm-hmm. of myself, but just talking in a circle and seeing like, wow, there's other women that are going through all this stuff and, and just to, just to learn to listen. Mm-hmm. And then also when it's your time to speak I had never been able to that point really to speak what was going on in my life without, you know, I would do it to my friends and they would be like, oh, you need to do this or give me advice. They'd want to give me advice or they would want to, you know, make it about them. You know, this was the first space I had where I could just talk and no one would respond. And it was the Mm -hmm. best thing ever. (laughs) And they like, came up and hugged me after. And they're like, I really appreciated what you said. Thank you for sharing. And that was it. There was no judgment. There was no advice. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. And then I started being invited to like ecstatic dance. And I was like, what the heck is this ecstatic dance about? And just dancing with some weirdos in a room. And <laughs> me being a professional dancer, I like was nervous because I didn't want to look too professional or too good. And then I didn't want to look not, not good. And so I was going through all these <laughs> like... <laughs> things. And then I ended up loving ecstatic dance. And now I would go and cry in the corner and feel just so much love for the ecstatic dance groups. And then I'd go to drumming circles. And so basically I was just like experiencing more and more of like the woo woo stuff. And I was starting Mm -hmm. to energy work and, and not because I was seeking it out. It was because it was showing up when I was asking for healing. So I guess in a way I was seeking it, but plant medicine, my friend, like I am super anti-drug. I went to the emergency room when I tried pot for the first time in high school. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I tried it again a year later just to make sure. And it was horrible. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be one of those people that if I do any drugs, I'm just going to (laughs) die. So I stayed (laughs) away from drugs. I remember my friend telling me, she was like, girl, I need to just go and go off to the desert and do some peyote. And I'm like, that's crazy. Cause to me, that was a drug. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's crazy. I'm not coming with you. Mm-hmm. And then I would get in another conversation and my friend mentioned ayahuasca. And I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. That sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. And, but it kept coming up to a point where I was like, all right, this, there's something weird around this. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing research. I was like, fine, let me look into this. And I started researching ayahuasca and watched all these documentaries. And, you know, one of my main things was I was dealing with a lot of my trauma from childhood, right? We're all dealing with, that's usually what is coming up in our adult life is Mm -hmm. childhood trauma. And one of the main things that I was reading about was how beneficial it could be to healing trauma. Mm -hmm. And I had been to therapist my whole, in all my 20s, I mean, I had done it all, and I've been on you know medications and everything, and none of that really worked, and so I just felt like there was no hope, and so I just got obsessed with the research I was doing, and I just I knew I had I was like I have to do this, like I just knew Mm -hmm. deep in my heart I was like this this is calling to me, and so. It took about a year and a half because it's, you can't just go to a ceremony here in, in town, you know, usually you have Mm -hmm. to travel. And so it took a year and a half before I was actually in the position to go and be with a Peruvian shaman and experience the medicine. And I feel like any plant medicines, it's not for everybody. And um, it's not really the focus of my chapter, but I do feel like it was, it was calling there's certain things that you just you can't not run into in your life because they're such a part of your uh journey and mm-hmm. for me that was what what really shifted a lot and just 180 especially with my al- like i was drinking so much alcohol within like one or two ceremonies that had curbed massively and mm-hmm. i was having a lot of healing around all these childhood things that came up and so for me that was it was so clear. It was so easy. It was everything I was asking for. And before I knew it, I was realizing kind of like with pole dancing, with pole dancing, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing is pole dancing? Like, oh, seriously. And then it was the same thing with being in ceremonies and learning more about different medicines, even cacao ceremonies and hape mm-hmm. and sang, but there's so many legal ones too that are available in the States. And Cambo, oh, such a, a healing mm-hmm. medicine from the Amazon. And I just I was like, this is it. This is this is what is healing me. And this is what I need to help, you know, share the lessons that I'm learning within these containers. And, and so that was kind of, that was it. It was just following the signs, following what was coming up, being open. Mm -hmm. And I feel like any destiny for anybody, you can't avoid it. It's, it's inevitable, you know, and the Mm -hmm. signs are there. You just have to be open to listening to them. And that was one thing about that path that there was no way I wasn't going to find that in this lifetime, (laughs) even if I had taken a different you know, it's like I was still mm-hmm. heading up that mountain. You know, it was it was going to come out my path eventually. So before you knew it, I was really in depth researching and doing meditations and learning about wanting wanting to hold containers um, in the west in the west. You know, without the medicine, because the thing is, with any kind of plant medicine, is it's the integration and the lessons you learn from it. You shouldn't need to drink the medicine after to really be able to practice everything. And so I wanted mm-hmm. to bring the practices and the knowledge and the wisdom to my studio, which I still had working with women and empowerment, but on a different level. And also create spaces where I, and then I started wanting to learn how to like hold space for other people. And that's what led me to go to Four Winds Society um, to train with them. And their lineages from the Peruvian Andes and and the shamans down there, which is a beautiful lineage. And, and so, yeah, and so I just... Again, and even that, even going to that school, I kept saying, "I want to learn how to do this. Where the F do you learn to do this without having to go to the Amazon?" <laughs> and you know, Spirit answered, and some friends sent me the link. I was like, "This is exactly what I was looking for." So it's just been a, and it's just been following those little breadcrumbs, you know, mm-hmm. and keep connecting and asking for help out into the universe
0: hmm And I hear, actually, it's funny you say this, the synchronicities that work in this universe. I've recently found out about ayahuasca, and I've heard that once you make the decision to do it, Mother Ayahuasca, the, the spirit that is said to embody she you during that process, working.
1: exactly, <laughs> she
0: starts working immediately. So I'm curious if you experienced that. And if so, once you made that decision, what were some of the things you started noticing before you even left to go on your journey to ayahuasca?
1: I feel like it it just started bringing up emotional stuff. You know, I would have memories from my childhood or it was very apparent the relationships I was having. It was like, this is definitely not working anymore, you know, versus like, well, it's not working, but let's, maybe we can try, you know? It was just, <laughs> no, like, this is, this is not working anymore. And I I went into a very, in, I was able to just kind of have some clarity or have things come up. and And usually what they say about ceremony is, your shit just comes up. So she's she's gonna clean you out and she's mm-hmm. gonna help bring this stuff out. Cause you need to release, release mm-hmm. this crap that we're carrying. And so I feel like anytime before I go to ceremony, you just things start bubbling to the surface and they mm-hmm. can be uncomfortable emotions, they can be things in your life that all of a sudden get kind of like what what just happened? Mm-hmm. And I think it's part not only of plant medicine, but even if you just start choosing to meditate or to start healing you open up space for things to come up to the surface so you can face them and look at yourself anytime you give. even when people journal or when i journal it allows even 30 minutes it like just allows this quiet time for things to just come out in a kind of subconscious and conscious way Onto the paper, so mm-hmm. so yeah, that that's definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's also said that you make a contract when you decide to do it, and so mm-hmm. that's why she starts working on you.
0: For those listeners that are really interested in plant medicine, do you have any recommendations for them about where they could safely find practitioners in order to undergo a ceremony? Oh, that is a really big question. For me, I
1: would just say do your research online. And before traveling or going to anyone or anywhere, the most important thing for me is to know who's serving the medicine, their knowledge, their experience. There's a lot of people that go drink. And I was one of these, I was like, I want to be a shaman now. And (laughs) it's just, I think that's a natural thing where you find something and you think you're healed. But for me personally, I'm just really, really cautious of who's serving it because you want to make sure that they can hold the container energetically that they themselves have gone on their healing journey. Because even in my practice, when I do energy medicine on people, if I'm not clear and if I'm still not healed in the similar frequency of the person I'm working on, I can commingle my own issues kind of onto that person. And so, mm-hmm. it's really important to to go to a corandera or a shaman who. Has for me like ten plus years of experience, and who has really done the work in the Amazon, and who it has been passed down to, mm-hmm. and you have references to. It's it's such a vital thing because it is becoming more trendy or more known about, and so of course with anything, there's there there can be a lot of abuses that can enter into that. Again, it's really just following your heart. If it's meant to be, it'll happen, and and just really follow your gut. I've also landed in some ceremonies that for me. It was kind of unsafe. You know, I learned a lot from those situations. You you learn even when you're in the shitty situations. I think for anybody, just do your research. Talk to anybody who has worked with the medicine for a while. There's so so many books and there's amazing retreats. It's not something you just decide to do on a whim and just hop into a ceremony. There's a lot of pre-work to do. There's a lot of diet to preparation with any plant medicine. And and the more intention and and seriousness you take with it, the better because it can also flip your world upside down. And I've also had the medicine really be traumatic Mm -hmm. and be a lot to handle. And so it's- From an emotional or physical- Space. Um, Emotional, where I just I was in a state of just shock, <laughs> you know, just bringing mm-hmm. so much up, and so like any, and talk to your therapist and and have a therapist and know like after you do the medicine, do you have you have to integrate the medicine and have people you can talk to, and it's and it's also not good for everybody. It's not the path for everybody either. And for me, I always just say, start with cacao, start with just normal ceremonies that are using different medicines that aren't as intense. And, and, you know, Cambo is a beautiful medicine to, to start with as well. And, and just, but do it because you're called and not because it's a thing to do, or you think it's going to fix you, you know, there's a difference in that too.
0: Absolutely. And the last question I have for you is, You've taken many risks and followed many paths on your journey so far. What is next for you? I have no freaking idea.
1: <laughs> I have no idea. I love oh that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So what's really interesting is with the pandemic, my I, we had just celebrated our 10-year anniversary We had this amazing showcase, all this work that I've been doing for the last eight months. I was going to rebrand and go more into like women's retreats and put more of the healing aspects kind of into the studio and women's circles. (laughs) But things just weren't working out for the last, you know, right before the, I was like, what is going on? And our 10 year anniversary, I was so like depressed and sad. And I just was like, what is going on? And then the pandemic hit and it, basically we weren't it wasn't a viable business because we relied a lot on bachelorette parties traveling into town so may 1st i had to again not really walk away but i permanently had to close vamps my baby of 10 years like permanently Mm -hmm. close it down and you know since then i'm like really letting go (laughs) Of like everything I knew, all my income, my whole career is just gone.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I, of course, I sell my energy medicine and, and all my other rebranding plans. But I'm back in this place where it's like, okay, universe, uh, I'm here. And I don't know what the F's going on. And I don't know exactly where I'm supposed to be. But I call this like the washing machine place where Mm -hmm. your whole life is, is like kind of like in shambles and everything you planned on, it just did not, is not working out how you thought it was. And you don't logically, you can't figure out what you're going to do. And, you know, this book coming out, (laughs) I'm like, this is such weird timing, you know, and I'm like, that's (laughs) going on, which is an amazing thing. So I am, I'm just listening to the universe, waiting for those signs going back to my practice i'm like okay here we go again universe what what's next but i'm also learning we don't know like we 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 think we have so much control over our lives but if we really follow our heart <laughs> it's it's not you know we don't, it's mm-hmm. really the it's the job of surrendering to, okay, I guess I don't know what I'm doing in my life. So let's just try to stay centered, stay aligned and see Mm -hmm. what shows up. I'm really learning how to trust right now. And I also know I'm learning what I need to learn to help others in the future. And this is why I'm having to go through this of like losing so much of my life, losing my financial, I'm I'm going bankrupt, you know, and I've been Mm -hmm. like excellent credit score my whole life and everything. And just, the shame that comes with bankruptcy and all that stuff and having to move through that and going through a rebirth, you know, going through a rebirth mm-hmm. and being like, okay, well, I've been through this before in different ways. And so mm-hmm. the lessons I have learned are a, the universe has got you. We've been okay to this point. <laughs> so I know mm-hmm. everything will work out, find what brings me joy and what is bringing lightness and really learning trust trust that I'm being carried somehow and really talking to spirit and, and finding the trust in myself. And because I don't know, I, you know, I feel like a lot of us go within the medicine wheel, there's different, it's kind of like the hero's journey. We're always in these circles of processes and Mm -hmm. I'm in the spot where I can't see past the mountains. I can't see the bigger picture right now. I am just in the dark trying to feel out which direction to go and the way I feel or wh- how I know how to, to go in through the dark in this is just to go in the direction that is lighter or feels good. And if I bump into something that doesn't feel good, acknowledge it and then try to figure out the good direction again or the, the, the heart, listening to the heart and following that through this. So I've been working on, I I, I want to do retreats for women once we are able to be in person and I'm working on an online course to help women connect to their wild woman that's below and the little children inside that want to come out and play and all these aspects of ourselves that are ready to have a voice and are ready to express themselves, but for whatever reason have been kind of pushed down or not acknowledged and really just help. I just, again, like learning how to be of service um, with my
0: gifts. And so I feel like that's going to be a lifelong journey. Mm. That's great. Because one thing that Laura mentioned in her interview was about how this book really embodies that sense of Phoenix rising from the ashes, that we are being reborn in these journeys that we have allow us to do that. And it sounds like you're in this rebirth period where you are starting over and it always seems to get way worse right Right before you have this huge, whether it be enlightenment or oh, some sort yeah. of success. It always yeah. seems to be like a giant shithole right before that happens. For whatever yeah, and reason. also knowing that
1: too. It's like knowing from other people too that like, yes, right when you're in the shit, it turns into gold, you know, but it's just, <laughs> just holding, just holding on and just breathing mm-hmm. and trying not to freak out and, you know, and trying not to make decisions from the ego and but I think we're all going through that too with, with everything going on.
0: Mm-hmm. So where can people go to find out more about you, your women's retreats and your online courses once those become available?
1: Yeah. So they can follow me on IG at A M Tarsha, T as Tom, A R C H A. And also my website
0: is just ambertarsha.com. Perfect. Well, I will make sure we link that in the show notes as well for anyone that is interested in hopping over and learning more about Amber and her journey. Amber, it has been amazing having you. I have really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to seeing where you are in 6, 9, 12 months because I know you're <laughs> up to Me great things <laughs> and I'll have to have you back and hear all about it.
1: Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm excited too. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you all so much for tuning in with Amber and I today. To hear more about Amber's story, head over to Amazon and purchase your copy of Finding Our Wings. And as a reminder, if you do choose to get a physical copy, these women would really appreciate your support if you got a Kindle copy as well for 99 cents. Each copy sold directly benefits charities supporting women and children getting out of sex trafficking. And if you're loving these conversations, we will have two more headed your way with other co-authors of Finding Our Wings, now available on Amazon as of September 17th. So head over and get your copy. And as always, I would really appreciate it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, and that'll help us get in front of other like-minded women who are looking to get shit done. Thank you guys so much, and I will catch y'all next week. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with new episodes. As always, we would love it if you would share this episode with friends and family who could use the inspiration. As a new podcast show, we would really appreciate your honest feedback so I know what you like and what you could use more of. As a thank you for leaving us a rating, we will send you our seven weekly tips to create space for abundance make sure you screenshot your review and email it to us at hello at the modern so we can send them straight to your inbox. If you'd like to stay connected, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at modern manifestation, or you can head to our website at the modern Thanks again for joining me and I will catch y'all in the next episode.